Well, today we are going to begin a brand new series called Stop. <laughs> hey, nobody likes stop signs. How many like stop signs? Nobody likes stop signs. We're too busy. You know, we got places to go. We got people to see. We've got things to do. I, I love the story about the man who got pulled over by a cop for running a stop sign. And the man said to the policeman, he said, I slowed down, and that's the same as stopping. Now the cop said, no, it's not. The man said, yes, it is. No, it's not, said the cop. Yes, it is, said the man. No, it's not. Yes, it is, and back and forth, and back and forth. So finally, the policeman pulled out his nightstick, and he started hitting the man on top of the head. So, said the cop, do you want me to stop or just slow down? Nobody likes stop signs. But stop signs serve a purpose. I'm going to give you three of the many reasons why we should respect and comply with the stop sign. First of all, for our own safety. Our own safety. How dangerous would it be for everyone to be driving from all directions with no stop signs? Perhaps there's no more dangerous part of, of driving than for someone to run a stop sign. Well, there are many things that we need to do in life, or there are many things that we do in life that we need to stop. It's for our own safety, it's for our own benefit that we need to stop these things. Another reason why we need to comply with a stop sign is to allow others to go by. Yeah, we need to stop to allow others to go by. See, no one would get anywhere if not for the stop sign. There would be total chaos without the stop sign. Well, you know, there are relationships that we have that we need to stop. They're not good for us. They bring chaos to our lives. Sometimes we just need to stop and allow others to go on third reason why we need to comply with the stop sign is to obey the law. See, see, stopping at stop signs is required by law. If you don't stop, you are breaking the law. And because you are breaking the law, there are consequences for breaking the law, and there is a price to be paid. Well, here's what I know this morning, and that is there are many things that we do that go against God's law. What we need to understand is that these laws were set up by God for our benefit. See, this stop sign here, it's for your benefit. And you need to comply with it. But God put some stop signs in our life. God has, has created some laws, but it is for our benefit. And when we run God's stop signs, there will be consequences and there will be a price to be paid. But understand this, not because God is mean because he is good and he only wants the best for his kids. Let's look in Hebrews chapter number 12. In Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 5, and you can warm up to me at any moment. That'll really, really help me this morning. Hebrews chapter 12 and uh, verse number 5, and let's read down through verse number 11. 
The writer of Hebrews says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, say loves. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son, and I would add, and daughter whom he receives. If you endure, cha- if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and you are not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they, indeed, for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, say for our profit, but he, God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, we're going to talk about stop today. And today our subject is stop doubting. Turn to your neighbor and say stop doubting. Now, doubting is a pretty common, it's a pretty common trait among people. Uh, and I, I believe that everybody battles doubt from time to time. Would you agree? The problem comes when we spend too long in the land of doubt. The problem is some people live in doubt. Well, today I'm going to ask, I'm going to endeavor to answer three questions about doubt and why we should stop it. Let's begin with this question this morning, and that is who should we stop doubting? Who should we stop doubting? Well, first of all, we should, we should stop doubting ourselves. Have you ever doubted yourself? See, everyone battles inferiority. Everyone. Say everyone. Now, some more than others. And everyone questions themselves at some point in time. We ask ourselves, am I qualified for this? Do I, do I measure up? We ask ourselves, can I do this? We ask ourselves, could God use me. And the list goes on and on. There's not a person alive who hasn't doubted themselves at some point in time. And here's what I know. The person who says they have never doubted themselves, well, they would lie about other things too. I've told you about the time uh, when I was just 33 years old. That was just a couple years ago. Actually, it was over 30 But I've told you about the time when I was just 33 years old, and I had just been elected to a new church. Uh, I was moving from a church of uh, 130 was our average attendance on Sunday morning, and the new church that I had just been elected to was a church of 330. And this church of 330 had a staff, had a daycare, had a preschool Uh, There were three times as many people to take care of. I'd never pastored a church like this before. Uh, If that wasn't enough, the pastor that I was following was the assistant district superintendent of our denomination. Uh, He was older. He was wiser. He had far more experience than I had. 
I'll never forget my first day on the job. It's one thing to get elected. It's another thing to do the job. You know, the adrenaline will keep you going, you know, to get elected. But then you're elected. Now you've got to go do the job. And I'll never, I'll never forget pulling up to the pastor's parking spot just outside the church office on my very first day. And I cannot describe to you, and I don't understand all about it, but suddenly, suddenly, I became overwhelmed. Absolutely overwhelmed. And I began to think, who am I to think I'm qualified for this? Suddenly realized, hey, I'm in over my head. What was I thinking? Oh, can I call this off? And I began to weep uncontrollably. I, I, I buried my, my, my face in my hands and, and I began to weep uncontrollably. I'm telling you, I was a mess. I finally, about five minutes of this, and I finally got a grip. And the thought came to me, it wasn't from the Lord, I don't know, maybe, but the thought came to me, all you've got to do is just go in there and do what they've already been doing. Just find out what they're already doing and just do that. And give yourself some time to learn the ropes and then you can begin to implement your own ideas. What I was simply telling myself was fake it till you make it. I dried my eyes, I blew my nose, I cleared my throat, I got out of my car, I stood up as straight and as tall as I could, and I walked into that office, and I never looked back. It took me only about two weeks to get comfortable, with the help of God, of course. Who should we stop doubting? Ourselves. We should stop doubting ourselves. Esther chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Who knows whether you, say you, who knows whether you have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. The story of Esther shows us that God can use ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Read the list of heroes recorded in Hebrews chapter number 11. Ah, it's called God's Hall of Fame of Faith. But I ask you, as you look at those heroes of faith, I ask you, were these people all qualified? Were they perfect? Did they have flaws? Did they have weaknesses? Did they have imperfections? Did any of them struggle with doubt? Who should we stop doubting? We should stop doubting ourselves. See, here it is this morning. It's not who we are, but whose we are. Did you hear me this morning? I said, it's not who we are, but whose we are that counts. Listen, God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Oh, read the Bible and you'll find that God can use a teenager to kill a giant. Oh, you'll find out he can use a blue collar fisherman to be the keynote speaker on the day of Pentecost. He can use a snotty-nosed kid to feed 5,000 hungry families. All you can eat, fish and chips. Oh, hear me this morning. Stop doubting what God can do with you. He can take a nobody and turn them into a somebody and use them to bless and inspire anybody. Who should we stop doubting? Well, first of all, we should stop doubting ourselves. And second, we should stop doubting others. For some people, everything is a conspiracy. Wearies me. 
wearies me. Man, they can see a demon behind every tree. They think everybody has an agenda. Everybody's working an angle. Subliminal messages are being sent out by everyone 24-7. Give me a break. I've had people try and analyze me. I wonder what pastor really means by that. I wonder what he's really trying to do. Well, first of all, thanks for thinking I'm that smart. Thank you. Truth is, what you see is what you get with me. Who should, who should we stop doubting others? Now, hear me this morning. Hear me clearly. I, I, I'm not saying be naive. I, I'm not saying don't be discerning. I'm not saying buy everything people are trying to sell you, lock, stock, and barrel. But what I am saying is stop doubting and being suspicious of everyone. Hebrews chapter 11 shows us that God can use anybody. Some of the people God chose, you know, I scratch my head and say, what? I mean, he uses some people in the Bible that we wouldn't even allow in membership in the church today. Hello? Hebrews chapter 11 shows us God can use anyone regardless of their faults and their failures. Hear Hear me this morning. Judge others with the same judgment that you want to be judged with. And when you can, you not always can, but when you can, give people the benefit of the doubt. I love what it says over in Proverbs where it says, you know, the first to tell their story, it seems right until somebody else cross-examines. I mean, no, there's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the real side. Truth of the matter is we all say all. We all slant things our direction. Every single one of us. Amen? All right. Thank you for helping. Hey, when you can, give people the benefit of the doubt and be quick to forgive and forget. Who should we stop doubting? Number three, God. God. Let me ask you this morning, do we really believe God is who he says he is? Do we really believe that he can do what he claims he can do? Isaiah 41 and 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But I ask you this morning, do we really believe this? Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you not Known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. But I ask you this morning, do we really believe this? 
Verse number, or chapter 43 of Isaiah, verse number two, when you pass through the water, God says, I will be with you. When you go through the river, I will, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And Hebrews 13 and eight tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. But my question this morning is, do we believe what the word of God says? Do we believe what the, what God says about himself and what he is able to do? Or do we doubt God? All right, we've talked just a little bit about who we should stop doubting. Now let's talk about why we should stop doubting. And let me give three suggestions here. First of all, because it lures us into bad places. That's what doubt does. It lures us into bad places. Here's what I know, and that is God will never lead us to a place that doesn't require faith to go. Do you believe that this morning? God will never lead us to a place that doesn't require faith to go. Hear me this morning. If you are trying to discover God's will for something, one of the questions that you should ask yourself is, will it, requ- will it require faith on my part to do this? Because God's will always requires faith. Doubt as well as fear will keep you out of God's best more than just about anything else. Doubt out. It will lure you into bad places. It will lure you into settling for less than God's best. It will lure you into taking a detour which will get you off track. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 95 verse 8 to 11, do not harden your hearts as the children of Israel did in the wilderness. They doubted my ability to take care of them. For 40 years, I was grieved with them. This is God talking here. For 40 years, I was grieved with them. I said of them, they are a people who go astray in their hearts. A people who what? Go astray in their hearts. Why should we stop doubting? Because doubt lures us into bad places. Doubt can lead us into depression. Uh, It can lead us into sin. Uh, when we doubt that God will correct and discipline us for it. Uh, It can completely get us off course and completely headed in the opposite direction of where God wants us to go. But not only does doubt lure us into bad places, but also it links us with the wrong people. In the book of Numbers, uh, chapters 13 and 14, the story is recorded of the 12 that were set, sent in to check out the promised land. You know how God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was taking them to Canaan, the land of milk and honey, the land of promise. But before they went into the land, there were 12 spies that went over to the land to, get, to see what was over there, to see what they were up against, and they could, were to come back and give a report of this promised land. And when these 12 spies returned to give their report, they all agreed that this land was everything God said it was. There was not one out of the 12 that said God was a liar. There was not one out of the 12 that said God exaggerated. There was not one of the 12 that said that this was not the land that was described to them. And yet 10 of the 12 were doubters. They doubted that God was able to give them this land. Even though God had promised them the land, even though God had supernaturally provided for them on their journey to this land, and yet when it came right down to it, when it came down to actually possessing this promised land, 10 out of 12 doubted. 
And because of their doubts, they, they came up with every excuse imaginable as to why it could not be done. And who did the majority of the people line up behind? The ten. Think about this this morning. The doubts of ten men kept a million people out of their God-given destiny. Through the doubt of ten men, a million people plus were kept out of God's best for their life. Why should we stop doubting? Because, because it links us with the wrong people and doubt breeds doubt. Doubt is contagious. Have you ever been linked with a doubter? Don't look around. They're no fun. Right? Doubters are no fun. And they're not going anywhere. Why would you want to link up with someone that's no fun and not going anywhere? But that's the truth about doubters. They're no fun. They're not going anywhere. Listen, here's what I know about them. They can find a problem in every solution. Some of you will get that about two weeks from next Thursday. They're so negative, they're so pessimistic, they're so sour-spirited. Oh, no, 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 listen, don't link up with them. Instead, link up with the Caleb's and the Joshua's. Ah, these two of the twelve, they said this is an exceeding prosperous land. They said this is everything God promised us and more. They said let's go right now. Let's don't wait another moment. It's already been long enough. Let's go right now and let's take possession of the land that God promised us and God has led us to. If you'll read the story, you'll find that the doubters were the majority and they outvoted them. Why should we stop doubting? Well, because it lures us into bad places. It links us with the wrong people. And number three, what will doubt do? It limits our potential. Yeah, it limits our potential. James writes in James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, he said, He who doubts... It's like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Don't let that man say that man. Don't let that man, what man? What, what is that man? That doubter, amen, that doubter. Don't let that doubting man, don't let that doubter think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Somebody said it like this, believe and receive or doubt and do without. When I think about that, I wonder where we could be. Yeah, I wonder where we could be. I wonder what we could have. I wonder how much further down the road we could be if only, if only, if only we hadn't doubted. God tried to take us there. He had so much more waiting on us, so much more planned for us. Where could we be? What could we be doing? What could we be experiencing? What could we have in our life if only we had not doubted? We allowed doubt to keep us out. Why should we stop doubting? It limits our potential. All right, we've asked the question, who should we stop doubting? We've asked the question, why should we stop doubting? Our third and final question is this, and that is what can we do to stop doubting? What can we do to stop it? Let me give you three things, and I'm just going to mention them this morning. First of all, we can change our focus. 
Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, he said, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, most of our struggles stem from our improper focus. Because most of us are earthly focused. We focus on our family, we focus on our career, we focus on our creature comforts, and there's nothing wrong with any of these. And all of these things are good if kept in proper perspective and proper priority, but very few of us, if any, have a proper perspective or live with proper priorities. If we live with a heavenly perspective instead of an earthly perspective, our struggles would seem much less severe. In fact, in light of eternity, I wonder if we have anything going on in our life, even as bad as it might be. But in light of eternity, is there anything in our life worth stressing over today? Oh, if we are earthly focused, absolutely, man, absolutely, man. Man, if our job's not going really well and we're earthly focused, man, wow, yeah, 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 that's going to give me a lot of stress. But if I'm heavenly focused, if my mind and my heart is set on things above, it's a different perspective, amen? In light of eternity, very few of the things that we struggle over and fret over and fight, doubt about really matter. The real problem is we focus on the problem and not the promise. We, we, we focus on the problem and not the problem solver. I love Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse number 12. Oh, in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20, the children of Israel, man, all of their enemies have, uh, have all gotten together. And they've, instead of just one at a time coming at the children of Israel, they've all gotten together, all put all the armies together. And all of the armies of, of Israel's enemies are coming down and they're going to attack the, the army of, of, of the Israelites. And I love what 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 says. It says the children of Israel are faced with, an, I've already said that, they're faced with an insurmountable situation. They're faced with a problem that's far too great for them to overcome. And so the Bible says that King Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. Good plan, sir. He focused not on the problem, but he focused on the problem solver. In verse number 12, he writes and he says, and he says to God, he's praying to God. He says, oh God, we are overpowered, God. We are overpowered. And he says, God, we don't know what to do. He said, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes, our eyes are not on this insurmountable situation. Our eyes are not looking upon this army that's much greater and much and, and, and outnumbers us so much. But our, our focus is not on our problem, but our focus, our eyes are on you. Our, our focus is on our problem solver. Oh, I would encourage you today to get your eyes off of your problem and get your eyes on the problem solver, on the one that is able this morning to solve any problem in your life. Well, what can we do to stop doubting, change our focus? Number two, change our friends. I say this so often, but it fits here. I have to say it again, but I'm just going to touch it and go on. See, people will either help us or hinder us. So surround yourself with people who help you. Proverbs 12 and 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. Say carefully. 
The righteous choose their friends carefully. The way of the wicked will lead them astray. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, Paul writes, he says, don't be misled. He said, bad company corrupts good character. What can we do to stop doubting? The third thing is we can change our fuel. Change our fuel. See, here's our choice. We can either fuel our faith or we can fuel our doubts. We can be like the ten spies who fueled their doubts and disqualified themselves for the promised land. Or we can be like the two, Caleb and Joshua, who fueled their faith. And they were the only two who escaped the bondage of Egypt and enjoyed the prosperity of the promised land. I challenge all of us today to fuel our faith. Fuel our faith by reading the Word of God. I asked you this morning, are you, are you filling your mind and are you filling your spirit? Are you filling yourself up spiritually daily? Are you reading the Word of God or have you not read the book in a month? I'm not here this morning to chastise you. I know we're very, very busy and I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to encourage you this morning. I'm telling you, maybe the reason why you're down and the reason why you're discouraged and the reason why you're defeated is because you've got the wrong kind of fuel that's coming into your heart and the wrong kind of fuel coming into your mind and into your spirit. If all you're filling your mind and your heart and your spirit with is the things of this world, the, you know, the things on television, the things on the radio, you know, the things that are, you know, the bad things that are talked around, about around the water cooler at work, you know, or, you know, when everything is buzzing at work. Listen, what are you, fuel? What, what is your fuel? Somebody said trash in, trash out, right? I challenge all of us to fuel our faith through reading the Word of God. And listen, I'm not challenging you to, you know, to read five chapters a day. Listen, if you read five verses a day, and listen, actually read five verses a day, and actually look at them and, and, and meditate on them and let God speak to you, it's better to read five verses a day and understand what you've read than to read five chapters and just check it off that I read it. I'm not challenge you to be some kind of Bible school you know, ministerial student, I'm just, I'm just telling you that your life will be better when you get the Word of God in your heart. Fuel your faith through reading the Word. Fuel your faith by spending time in prayer. I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Prayer, you just talk. You just talk to God. You don't have to get your preacher voice on to pray. You don't have to use King James version words to pray just talk and don't worry tell God everything he knows everything anyway you're not going to fool him just talk to God hey God I need some help here I need some help here God hey God how you doing <laughs> yeah Man, fuel your faith through reading the Word, spending time in prayer. Whether you get down on your knees or it's, you know, on your, on your commute to work, and you're just spending some time, you know, talking to the Lord. I've had some of the most glorious times in my life, spiritually just driving down the road, just me and Jesus. I know the song says, Jesus, take the wheel, but keep your hands on the wheel while you pray. Fill your faith by spending time in the house of God. Oh, I don't need to go to church. Oh, yeah. yeah you need your brothers and your sisters. You need fellowship. You need communion. You know, well, I got it. We got it online now. You know, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to be, you know, not only can you hear it, but you're going to be able to see it. Man, I can just lay in bed and, you know, watch it. Well, listen, if you're sick, that's wonderful. 
but there's just something about being in the house of God. Fill your faith by being in the house of the Lord. Amen. Spending time in the presence of the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and 11, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So I will not sin against you. Oh, he said in Psalm 37 and 31, he said, when the word of God is in my heart, he said, my feet will not slip. Oh, what can we do to stop doubting? Change our focus, change our friends, and change our fuel. The takeaway for the message today is this. I believe we have some people that are going to be baptized. You could go at this time. The takeaway for the message this morning is this. Our doubts can detour our destiny. Our doubts can detour our destiny. And enough of them for too long can totally derail it. Stop doubting. Father, I thank you, Father, once again for your infallible, your life-changing, your life-altering word. It really is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I pray that you'll take the word of the Lord that has been shared this morning. May it fuel our faith today. Lord, it's not a sin to doubt, but it's wrong to dwell on our doubts. We all have doubts, but we push through them. We push through them. We push through them. God, take us where you want us to be. Take us to our promised land, God. Help us not to get to the very edge of our promised land and then doubt that the one that took us this far Take us on the cross. Help us to believe you, O oh God. 